Welcome to Scribe Count, the podcast. I'm Philippa Werner, and I'll be your host. Today is the first in a two-episode chat with Russell Moulty, author of The God's Verse Chronicles, and one half of the duo currently running a Kickstarter titled Get Your Book Selling on Kickstarter, The Definitive Guide. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Scribe Count, the podcast. I'm here today with Russell Moulty, who is the author of such books as The Obsidian Spindle Saga and The God's Verse Chronicles, both of which I'll link to here in uh, in the notes. And Russell is here today to talk about Kickstarter for authors. Now, a lot of authors have wondered about this, tried this. Uh, backed away because there were too many fields that they needed to fill in on the Kickstarter form. I'm definitely not speaking personally on that one. Um, And Russell is not only someone who has made this work multiple times, he has another Kickstarter that is coming out today that is talking about how to make Kickstarter work for authors. So you can very meta Kickstart back a Kickstarter about kickstarting and then learn how to kickstart. So (laughs) without further ado, hello, Russell. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it is so great to have you here. So uh, to go back a little ways, um, when did you get the the first urge to kickstart something? What was the first project that you were working on? So I come from comics uh, originally. So in in comics, Kickstarter is like the big looming thing in the world that everyone that does comics basically just kickstarts their comics. And so I have been, I started on Indiegogo a couple of times unsuccessfully first, but the first book that we kickstarted in 2014 was a book that I uh, pulled back from a publisher. The publisher said, I am not going to do a print run of this book in the, the, so how comics work are they come out in single issues generally, and then there's a trade collection of all of them. So he didn't uh-huh. want to print the trade of the book. He said, but you can go to Kickstarter and like raise the money and then I'll do it. And I was like, wait, so I'm going to go and raise a bunch of money and you are like, I'm going to get people to buy a book and then you are going to put it out. Like this is not, so I, I took the book back and I went to Kickstarter in 2014 with uh, my book, Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter, which is currently raised over $60,000 on Kickstarter. Okay, so that is amazing. And at that time, were there any guides that you were following or was this very much a, this was something that just sort of clicked for you and you understood the way it worked very intuitively? I I don't think that I looked up any guides because this was in the pretty early stages of Kickstarter and crowdfunding. Um, not the earliest stage, and there were some guides out there, but I just kind of intuitively understood because I had spent years. So one thing that you get in comics that you don't get in novels all of the time. Sometimes you do, but in comics, it takes so long to build a, a book. You know, it takes years to build a book. The artist draws it over the course of, of a long time. And while it can take years to make a novel, you're not sitting on your hands while you're making the novel. Whereas like with a comic, you are really, if you're the writer, waiting a long time to get pages back and writing a very little bit. So if you want to keep the momentum going and feel like you're doing something, you have to promote the book and gather people and show little like when people get the little, um, you know, get a few pages in, you like have little previews that you show people and you create ash cans. And so I've been doing that for so long that 
I, I felt like I understood the process, mm-hmm. but more importantly, I understood like I I'm taking the risk. Like I understood the, I'm taking the risk and like, this is on me to get as many people to buy as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I don't, I don't think that I read a guide, but it was many years ago now. Um, mm-hmm. There are several, there are several ones for comics and for other platforms. Um, what we believe when we wrote this book, Monica and I, is that there hasn't been one written by an author who, who made their money on Kickstarter f- for novels, like mm-hmm. uh, who is speaking to novels. There are some that are written by um, like other like, that are written for novelists, but they're mm-hmm. they're not written by someone who has raised a lot of money for novels on Kickstarter. Um, mm-hmm. There are a couple of courses for that as well, but we were very interested um, in, uh, in, in, in to make part of Monica's um, supercharged book series to s- do something like for people who've done successful novel crowdfunding and uh, by people who have done successful crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. So by and for, and this was not always something that I, like I've been talking about novel authors going to raise money on crowdfunding since I started doing crowdfunding. But I had not raised a lot of money for novels. I'd raised a lot of money for comics. And what people told me was like, well, this works for comics, but it won't work for novels. So what I feel like the last two years has played out as I've run four campaigns and raised almost $50,000 in novels that there's a lot of money on Kickstarter that you could be raising if you release your novels there as well. And so, uh, and so you started with novels specifically about two years ago. Before that, it had been all comics. I had I'd done a book called My mm-hmm. Father Didn't Kill Himself in 2016 and another one called Spaceship Broken Needs Repairs. And if you really want to feel good about what Kickstarter can do, you should really look up those campaigns because they have awful blurbs, uh, <laughs> terrible covers. Um, they're, they're really good books. Um, and they're not terrible covers. They just are not genre specific. Like I love the artist and like, I love the art that she did, but like, they don't look like the genre that they actually are. So, um, and we raised, uh, 3,500 for one and then about 2000 for the others. So, but that was the only money that I had raised on, 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 uh, on Kickstarter for novels. And then I raised, I think $2,200 for a kid's book somewhere around there. So I'd raised a little bit of money outside of comics, but the vast amount of my knowledge was comics until 2012, sorry, sorry, 2020, um, when I started releasing about half of my books and novels and half comics. Okay, wonderful. And what is, what would you say was the biggest lesson that you learned from your first Kickstarter that you built? pulled off that you you looked at this you'd gone into it knowing I'm accepting this risk I'm going to do this thing it it is just not a good deal to be going through this publisher um this is a crap deal which is something that a lot of the indie authors are are very familiar with and looking back on it and it doesn't necessarily have to be a hard lesson it could be a great lesson something you did maybe by accident or Oh yeah. My biggest lesson was like, I made more money in one month than I had in years before publishing and, mm-hmm. and working creatively. Cause I've been working creatively in since 2004 doing, uh, I worked on Capitol Hill doing live shots and uh, I did news feeds and produced movies and all sorts of things. Like I had made more in one month 
than I had ever made before on any creative project. And it was eye-opening. And I did it from not a lot of people. I mean, I think we had 163 people for that first campaign and raised $5,400. And that's the really the biggest eye-opener for uh, when, when I talk to authors about this. I'm like, how, how many times can you sell 156 copies of your book, any book, for any price, and make, mm-hmm. and make almost $6,000 on it? Yep. Yep. And that's, yes. You know, that and is even our last campaign, and even our last campaign, we had 312 backers and raised $11,800. So again, like how many times can you make 312 sales and make $11,000 from those sales? Like it does not happen often. And that is, that's really what I, I try to talk to authors about. I'm not saying that Kickstarter is going to save your career. It saved my career. I'm not saying that it's going to be, uh, be the thing that like pays your, 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 uh, your, your mortgage or anything it does for me often. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but I am saying that it is a way to break even on the costs of producing a book, which are not, which are not small, uh, <laughs> and go into a launch on Amazon or, or, or wide or wherever you are free and clear from any production costs and maybe even getting a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars of additional money that you can literally throw into marketing, use as profit. But instead of having to wonder, oh, is this series going to sell? Like, am I how much how much advertising am I going to have to use on Amazon? Like you go in there with 50 sales, 20 sales, 30 sales, you say, okay, Here's, here's where I think this, like, I, I, I made this money on Kickstarter. Here's where I think this is going to land on Amazon. Here's, much, here's how much marketing money I'm willing to devote to this book based on how it did on Kickstarter for my diehard fans. And you already have, again, a, a revenue neutral book. I will tell you a story about 2019, mm-hmm. if I may. Absolutely. Um, so I have never launched a book in the red before, ever. After I've, I've never got put it on a table or put it on Amazon until a book was profitable and usually massively profitable from Kickstarter. You know, even that $1,800 book that I said, we raised over, it was a thousand dollars in profit on that book, like literally just from $1,800 raised on Kickstarter. Um, so 2019, um, I had been, it wasn't ridiculed. I had been told by people that Kickstarter was a dumb way to raise to 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 launch books, and that was not how authors release their books. Authors release <laughs> their books on Amazon, and so I spent literally two years trying to figure this whole thing out on Amazon, and said, "Okay, I am going to launch the way that like authors tell me to launch books, and I mean like super successful authors too." Um, you know, and, and less successful authors, but like very successful authors were like, this is not the way we do things. Like you need to not do it this way. This is the way we do stuff. And I don't know if you've heard this before from other people. It's like, you know, there's a, there's sort of a, a checklist of what, things that you do when you launch a book and Kickstarter was not on that list. And so people did not know what to do with it. Even if no. I was like, Hey, I've raised like $150,000 on Kickstarter. Like you sure I shouldn't be launching books over here. And they're like, no, don't do that. I said, okay, I'll, I'm going to release the, these books on on uh, on on Amazon, and I wrote 12 books, um, not hugely long books, like 30 to 40 thousand word books, and I started launching them. And the first book of the 12 broke even. The second book 
did half of that. And every time I launched a book after that, it literally did half of what the previous book did. And so by the time that we had six books out, I was like, I am done. Like, I can't, I can't do this. Can't do something this. is yep. wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I was like, maybe these books are bad because I was launching to the same list. Like it's those same people who were buying the books. Um, mm-hmm. They just weren't converting in the way that they did on Kickstarter. And I did not understand why, how, or any of that stuff. And I bring them to shows and they would do well at shows when I had the paper, like the, the collected paperbacks of these books. And so I said, okay, like, this is terrible. Like my, my company was literally failing because I, I was not able to bring in revenue for books, which is how as an author and a publisher, you make money, right? So uh, like something was massively broken. And so I completely redesigned everything. And I said, okay, like, I'm just got to like not listen to these people who tell me not to launch books on Kickstarter or whatever. I'm just going to go back to what I know because I know these make money. And I, I put together a couple of other books, including Ichabod. We brought Ichabod back and Cthulhu, which are not novels. But I, uh, I, I then took those books, those 12 books, and I repackaged them into four, uh, four, um, four uh, novels, like four uh-huh. like, collections of three books. And we released them in 2020 in January. That book, they broke even and paid for another the fifth book in that series in one campaign so yep. i went from literally not having any like not making breaking even losing money on books doing it the way that i was told to going to back what i know which is kickstarter and again we didn't have a ton of sales that first campaign in 2020 had 250 or so backers but we raised 9900 dollars on them um, because what, what, what I don't have is a massive fan base. And what most people ha- do not have is a massive fan base. Like most people do not have uh, a Mark Dawson's fan base or Michael Anderley's yep. fan base. They don't have the money to spend uh, uh, to get Craig Martell's back catalog. They just, that's not the way. Like we are starting from a place where there are a few people who are very dedicated to our books. And, um, and every time we launch a book and it barely breaks even or it doesn't break even, uh, you know, it's less, it's less money than we have for the next book. And it's more of a going into our pocket. So I, I decided that I was okay with the small audience that I had. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was going to just try and make books for them and try mm-hmm. to figure the Amazon part of it and all the other parts of it out later. And that is what I went back to the basics. And we have since, like I said, raised $48,000, I believe, on these last four novel campaigns, including one last last June that was four standalones, which is mm-hmm. in different genres, in different series, like no <laughs> crossover potential. We raised $9,500 on those four standalone books last, mm-hmm. last June. So again, I mean, I'm, I'm just going with what works for me. I'm not saying Kickstarter is for everyone, but I would certainly, I certainly can't imagine a time where I go into a launch in the red or as far in the red as I had been with that launch in 2019. And what this gives you is the space to go onto Amazon and figure out what's going on on Amazon, figure out what advertising works for you without it being already in the red and figuring out if you're making the gambler's fallacy, figuring out if you're, you know, any of these things. Right. And on top of that, you're seeing like, oh, this book is popular. Oh, this Mm -hmm. book has readers. And, or you might say, oh, I made something, I made a wrong decision. Like I made a wrong decision somewhere because I thought this was going to get a hundred backers and it only got 30. So like, 
if I put this out on Amazon, I still broke even because like, you know, yeah. my, my costs were low. Like I only, I only broke even and like, that's okay. Uh, I, I live to fight another day, but if you are going into that launch and you're putting $5,000 in a book where like you put the wrong cover on it or like you put the wrong mm -hmm. blurb, like something wasn't working, suddenly you're like, is the book bad? Am I bad? Is the cover bad? Like there's so many variables while you're throwing advertising money into what is not a bad book, but what is a bad package. Well, and this is something that they do in multiple industries and that also multiple authors will do with pre-orders, right? They'll uh, they'll put the book out with the cover and a pre-order. And if it gets a lot of pre-orders, then that book comes out. Right. <laughs> and you see it, you know, in the other, you advertise your company, you see how many are, people are signing up and then maybe you do a production run of whatever the, the good is. Absolutely. So, Well, and one thing that you get on Kickstarter is once the book is, once the campaign is over, assuming you fund, mm -hmm. you get the names, addresses, uh, email addresses, and the amount that people backed for. So like you can literally see who backs your books and how many times have you talked to authors who are like, I have no idea who on my list is buying. Like, I have no idea if like I should be listening to Tommy or Barbara or Fred. And like, meanwhile, like one, like they, these are the three most vocal people and they're, they've never bought a book from me. Yeah. <laughs> but these people who are not vocal are buying and they're buying in huge numbers. Like I cannot believe when I look at who buys, I never hear from these people ever. But then they come and they spend $100, $200 on books from me and a campaign. Meanwhile, yep. the people that are telling me I email too much or, uh, or like my emails aren't funny or like they're unsubscribing, <laughs> all the things that you say that you hear from people, you're like, oh, are these the right people? Because I have a list. And if those people don't like what I'm writing, then is like a hard change is needed. But like mm -hmm. if someone who's been on my list for even two years, but has never bought, not that they're not valuable to me, but they are like, I am not changing the direction of my company based upon those people. I'm basing the direction of my company based on the ones who are diehard fans and have spent hundreds, thousands of dollars on my books that I can track back because I am uh, I'm doing it. I have their emails through Kickstarter. So even if you are doing a, a big pre-order through, yeah, and you get a hu huge amount of, of people through through Kindle or whatever, when you're doing a pre-order, you still don't know who is buying. And that is the, yep. to me, I didn't realize this until I, I actually had launched books, <laughs> a lot of books uh, to, and only saw the graph, only saw like the, gra the, the Amazon graph of how many people bought. I was like, oh my God, no idea. Like, who are these people? Like who bought, who didn't buy? I have no clue. And when I went back to, Am to Kickstarter, I was like, oh, that is the killer. Like, the, not the money. It's not the money. The money is a nice feature. The killer feature of Kickstarter is the, the list of people who actually bought your books and who you can trace back to your list or, or to, like, your community. Mm -hmm. That is, yes, that is amazing. And it's, it's all in the data, right? It's Absolutely. all hiding there in data. And that is definitely one of the things that, of course, is a big thing here at ScribeCount is that we're looking at what can you do with having accurate data about your readers, about your books, about your... And certainly there have been times that I've looked at the numbers and all of a sudden realized, oh, this one series of four books that I wrote years ago 
is still outselling everything else. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Right. <laughs> right. Maybe there should be a fifth book there. I don't know. Yep. But, but also one thing that I want to make sure that people are clear about about Kickstarter is Kickstarter is for a very, is, does well with a specific kind of book. I'm not saying that romance books and thriller books cannot, can, cannot do well on Kickstarter, but Kickstarter is for people who cannot find what they want on like in the mass market. So for instance, Lovecraft is a huge, it's like the biggest author in, in, on Kickstarter, but like in the grand scheme of the universe, like nobody knows who HP Lovecraft is because like he is a niche author who like has a very devoted following and they couldn't find things about him on other platforms. So mm -hmm. they went to kick to, to, they, they looked for, like they were actively Online. seeking other things. So like, you know, I think that probably if you're a KU reader, a KU author, and your people are all on KU, then That's like not. probably going to get less out of it. But you can still use it to do pre-orders before you do a launch. Before you put it mm -hmm. in KU, you can still use it to do pre-orders. But where you're going to get the most bang for your buck is if you are a uh, fantasy, sci-fi, horror author who is not getting a lot of traction on Amazon because Amazon is filled not to the debt. Like this is not, not a detrimental, but <laughs> they, they're filled with romance and thriller authors. Those are the two biggest, massively biggest sections of, of Kindle. And, you know, part of the success you're going to have is how many authors you have access to and how many people you can send an ad to. So if you are trying to make a career out of being a pulp author or an author that is not represented as fully on these other platforms, you, you will probably find a more ardent fan base because they're smaller, but they're more ardent. They really care about the, the like specific authors, not that other uh, others don't, but because they're not finding a lot of authors, like they are like latched on to the few that, and I see this in comics all the time because comics is a 30, a 36th or something of the overall book market. It's not very big. And yep. so you find you have people that are way more committed to your books because there's so much fewer of them. And there's so many more, so much few, there's fewer creators that they can latch onto that mm -hmm. they really love because there's just fewer creators overall. So uh, I work a lot with, um, with, uh, I would call them niche authors specifically ones in mythological fantasy, which is my, uh, which is, which is my genre, which is a very, very small subset of all, um, all fantasy, which is a very small subset of all books. Of all books. Right. Yeah. And certainly one of the things that we want to be doing here, and this will lead to my next question is we want to make sure that we're giving people the data and the means to create their most successful career. And that measure of success is different for so many people. For some people, it's simply that they want to be able to write the stories that are burning them up inside. Uh, for some people, it's that they want to make those millions. Um, and they're going to figure out which genre they need to write in. They're going to, you know, hit all the tropes and they're going to. And what we want to make sure is that everyone who comes to us and who uses us as a hub knows that there are many, many definitions of success. And so uh, if this is not too raw a question to ask you, because I find this is often a deeply personal question and, and uncomfortable to answer sometimes, 
what is your personal definition of success? I want to write what I want when I want for the audience that loves it the most. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I talk to so many authors who say, I like, I don't want to write like romance. I don't want to write thrillers. Like I don't want to, I don't want to start, be searching the Amazon charts every week to like, see what the hot thing is and then writing to there. And I know a lot of authors who do that thing and like, they love it. Like they, like they find the challenge of like, Oh, Sirens oh, totally are hot thrive. this month. Yeah. Right. They're like, oh, this is great. Like, okay, uh, this is what the next thing is going to be. Like, they get, like, they like, they get, their thrill in writing is that thing. And they're, and, and, and they are okay falling, like, not being the face. Like, they're okay with just being, um, like, fitting into the genre and the tropes of the genre. And, they do, they tend to do great because like, they're like, this is what the covers look like. These are the covers that are good. These are the tropes that are good. There's the blurb that's good. And like, I'm just going to do that and make it feel like my own thing. Yeah. And because that is where they thrive as a person, they're saying, okay, this is my new creative challenge. This is the thing I'm going to learn how to do this thing. I'm going to do it well. I'm going to put it out. And then next month it's going to be something different. And I thrive on learning that. And I feel like so many of us burn out because we're trying to achieve someone else's dream career. Absolutely. And then there's another, then there's the authors who hit in a genre, but they hit either way early, like 2012, or they just, they lucked out. And the thing that they love is also the thing that was hot. Like I, t- I listen to so many authors and they're like, yeah, man, like I, I put out this sailor, this sailor romance and there were just no sailor romances. And like, suddenly like we like, it, it became hot. And like, this is not to say that like, like luck plays a big part in like those kind of things. Because like, I always talk about Michael Bay, like Michael Bay or Stephen King or Stephen King or Steven Spielberg happened to have a taste palette that is mass market. And this is not to say they're selling out or anyone is selling out. This is to say like the things they like to make, like Steven Spielberg likes to make are also the things that many, many people like. The thing is there's a third bucket of people. There's a, th- and that's, I think that this is most authors, authors who are uh, unwilling or unable to write 12 books a year, mm-hmm. um, who don't, who want to write in other genres like Gothic horror or like whatever other thing that is, very very small niche or mm-hmm. um or uh that um that write in just an off genre like there's nothing wrong with writing mythological fantasy books that's what i do but like there just is not a huge audience for those books on amazon mm-hmm. they so like if i want to write those books i have to either bend to amazon's will or go to where i can find uh, or, or cultivate a world where people come to my universe and and I and I keep the ones who are deeply committed to me, but I also can make more profit on them because when I'm selling on Kickstarter, I get 90% of the revenue. I get a huge amount more of the uh of the uh revenue from uh hard for physical book sales. Mm-hmm. I can charge more for them. And um, and so there's all sorts of things that I can do to maximize my profit, not the and the amount spent on those people. I can put pins on my campaigns. I can 
I can do uh, audio commentary. So this is not audio books, but I'm talking about actually opening your book and saying, oh, well, I turned to page 26 is a really funny story about this particular scene. Mm -hmm. And like, you can't do that on Amazon, but you can make a bundle where like you get the ebook, the physical book and the audio commentary. And instead of it costing $20, it costs $40 for those things. You know, you can uh, do personal signatures. I tend to only sign things during Kickstarter campaigns. So when people want that, that signed thing, they have to get it in the Kickstarter. Or I'm not saying I never signed it otherwise, but like that, because I do five campaigns a year, that's where I try and funnel all of the people who are buying. I can do book plates, uh, which you can do on your website, but like you can just bundle them all together in a way mm -hmm. that allows me to maximize the dollar spend and the revenue made from each individual person who is mm -hmm. committed to my work. And then I can put it on Amazon or wherever. And all of that money is now gravy. All of that money is just that I make from Amazon is just, I don't want to call it free money, but it's all bonus to the fact that I get to go make another book because that's the exciting thing. When I finish one of these campaigns, it's not, I made $12,000. It's not like, Wow, I just like it's oh cool. I can go I make can go. I, I go make five more books now. Like I, I I I grew the runway by so many months and by so many projects because like I was able to maximize the dollar spend uh, for each person without having to worry about oh my god, I only got three hundred sales from this book. I mean, let's be fair, Philippa. Uh, like if you got three hundred sales from a book, like you would be freaking like they would not be happy over the course of like a like like your biggest book of the year launch like your biggest book oh, of the okay. year launches yeah. you're a you're like a professional writer mm -hmm. and like you make 300 sales like that and would you're... be devastating but for me i'm like oh my god that's great i made 300 sales i made $12,000 like this that, that's that's the change that i think by implementing kickstarter can bring to you it's not that mm -hmm. oh like now I know the email campaigns necessarily, though that's great. It's, it's none of those, but it's, hey, I've only got 500 people on my mailing list. Like, how am I going to do a good launch? Well, you know, if 20 people buy your 299 ebook, like you're going to make what? Yeah. Like 40 bucks. Uh, you, you, yeah. You, yeah. You spent, you, you get 20, those same 40 people or 20 people, 40 people to buy like $25 of stuff from your, from your, that's a thousand dollars. It's so much like a different calculus of what you can do at the, especially at the beginning of your career. Okay. But I think anyone at any stage of their career can utilize this. I know, uh, I know, I know authors who use it to do hardcovers. Mm -hmm. I, I, and, and here's the sneaky thing about Kickstarter. <laughs> so many authors use it but they don't talk about it because it's not a big part of their business. It's not like they're ashamed of it. It's just like, you would never think that an author would use Kickstarter to do this thing, like to, 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 make, to do audiobooks. And because they only use it once or a couple of times, people say, oh, no one uses Kickstarter. But the truth is- A lot of people are. Yeah, a lot of people use it. They just are not you going back to the well all of the time. They might use, um, I think it was Chris Fox did a board game. Yep. Uh, you know, they might use it to do, an, uh, my friend, uh, Luke is on there right now doing a, a hardcover edition of one of his books. Um, I have people that do audio books. So like, maybe they're not launching the ebook and the paperback or any of that stuff, but they are. Uh, yeah. It. And the readers are also winning out of this is a huge thing because, you know, we're saying 
well, instead of a $2.99 ebook, there's $40 worth of profit that's coming in from, from each reader. Um, and what this reminds me of is starting Patreon and reaching out to readers after faltering and saying, okay, so what is it that you want here? What are the rewards that you want? And almost universally, what came back was, we wanted to give you more money. <laughs> we, we want you to keep writing. And so we wanted to give you more money. And there is a lot to be said for the very revolutionary act of just asking. You know, we've got this large group of people out in the wild who have never heard of us as authors, right? Because we're not Stephen King, we're not. And they might stumble across our book and they might buy it or they might not. But there's a lot of people for whom I'm sure you've had books in your life or movies that were worth so, so much more than the purchase price. Right. Yeah. And knowing that you could put in more money and make it so much more likely that they can then go make more art in the future. I mean, can, can I tell you a That's... secret? <laughs> so, so my, so I back a lot of Kickstarters. I back them with 600. And every time I, I have a friend of mine who launches a book on Amazon at like 99 cents, I'm like, really? I mean, okay, I'll buy this, but like, like could do more. Like I, I, I'd much rather uh, like pay $5 and like get the campaign updates for your campaign and like get like whatever, maybe you had an exclusive cover for your Kickstarter or like whatever thing. But yeah, you're so right. Like people want to spend more money, but they want to support harder. And one of the things that, so it's funny because so many authors got on the Patreon bandwagon real quick. And I don't understand it because it's an antithetical model to how books work. Like books work by putting a book out and you people buying it. And Kickstarter, Kickstarter is literally that process. You're putting the book out and people are buying it. It's, 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 it, you, know, you have to like ship things and you have to like, you know, send out rewards and stuff, but it's almost the exact same business model. Whereas Patreon is a subscription business model, which is literally completely different. The amount of the people that, that, that do Patreon and do and buy a book is there's some overlap, but the amount of people that would buy a book and then buy, and buy a special edition book or buy something on Kickstarter is way higher because it's already an action that they're, that they're, that they're taking. Mm -hmm. All they're doing is instead of buying it on Amazon, they're buying it on Kickstarter, as opposed to you're still with Patreon, you're still taking them off the platform somewhere else. But instead of saying, come off this platform and buy a book, you're saying, come uh, 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 you're saying, give me money every month for a thing. And there's nothing wrong with Patreon. Like I like Patreon as much as the next person, but like, it's just, it, it is always interesting to me how mm -hmm. people are so easy to bring Patreon into their world, but they're but but, not Kickstarter. Right. Where it's just a lot easier. I feel, it feels a lot easier to make the jump from, from buy books to buy books over here than to from, then from buy books and then do a whole nother subscribe to me. Like those oh, are different yeah. actions than there are buy a book and buy a book. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, let's see. Thinking about Patreon, uh, what people are generally seeing is a, a peek behind the curtain. Well, you, for, but you get that on Kickstarter too, because when yeah, you, when you definitely you, can, because with Kickstarter, you get, uh, you get campaign updates, you get like special sneak peeks, you get all sorts of things that you also get on Patreon. Um, mm -hmm. But it's a discrete purchase. And this is where 
I don't do Patreon very often. I don't particularly like like Patreon for myself because I like discrete purchases. Like mm. I want to buy your book. I don't want to like get, I, I don't want to get whatever monthly updates or things from, and then do uh, it again okay. every month. Like, I just want to say, oh, cool. You've got a new book. Yeah. I'll buy I'll it on that. Amazon or like what, buy it on Patreon. Like I'll, I'll buy it, whatever. Uh, you know, and a lot of, it's funny because a lot of people, the, the most popular reward is getting the books early. Yep. So by getting the, like, you can also do that on Kickstarter, say, get the books two months early by backing the Kickstarter. And instead of having to come to, to show up for that audience on Patreon every month, you just show up when you have a book launch and say, hey, remember when I said buy things early? You can buy it early now and I'll, I'm doing a special edition. I'm getting, and I feel like I'm going down the, like the negative Patreon role. And this is not where I want it to be because <laughs> I think that Patreon is great. It's just for me as an author, the mm, thing that I don't want not. to do is have to say, what do I have to do for Patreon backers this month? Mm. Instead, I can say, okay, I've got this book launch. What can I do to like make this launch on Kickstarter special? Can I do some extra freebies? Can I, can I bring in some of my friends to give me free books? Can I do this? And like, I'm going to do, I'm going to spend two weeks really talking about this launch. And then yep. I never have to do it again. Then it's done. Like, I don't have to go out and try and find more people later. The, that is for the, the, the book launch when I do on Amazon. Like, I, that's already part of the process, as opposed but, to every month saying, oh, yeah, I've got 50p. I, I've got, I've, in order to make that $300 from, kick, from Patreon, I've got to not only do the work that I do of making a book, but I also have to do whatever the Patreon people want to do. Mm hmm yeah, and I think that can be made, uh, depending on the way you write or the way you read, that can be made much more symbiotic. So if it's, you know, I handwrite all my drafts and you get to see snapshots of those on Patreon if you're backing per month, or you get a chapter every month on Patreon. And so it's things that you're already doing, things that are part of your process already. It's much more uh, natural in the way that Kickstarter is quite natural to you. Right. And no, then of and, course, there's I also think that, that there's all three things are important. I think it's important to have a Patreon or we have an app <laughs> called Wannabe Plus or probably when this launches, it'll be called Beehive. Mm -hmm. uh, we have we have Kickstarter and then we have launches on our book channels. And so I think that all three of them working in tandem to maximize the kinds of readers that we all have. Some people want the early sneak peeks of drafts and like they want to pay mm -hmm. for like a monthly subscription. Some people want to get a premium version or signed copy or whatever on Kickstarter. And some people want to pay like whatever the least amount of price or whatever, and they want to get it on, 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 on Amazon. And all three of those are three very different types of readers. And yep. I think when we are when we block ourselves off to Kickstarter specifically, but also we're Patreon, losing. or also the you're losing out on not just revenue, which is true, but the thing I love about Kickstarter the most, I think I've said that now four times, but <laughs> the, the thing I really love about Kickstarter the most is that you get to have a deeper connection with your readers mm -hmm. and they are, they, they are, they are the first ones to get the books. Like they're almost, yep. you're like, they're not only like a free beta team or an arc team. They're like a, they're like a, they're paying you 
to be on your ARC team, to get the books months earlier before until you launch. Like they have time to read it and they can post their reviews and do all of that stuff. And they can tell you if like things are terrible or things are great or like whatever that thing is. So um, it's just for, for so long story short, I love Kickstarter. <laughs> love Kickstarter and it's worked for you. And it's, I think a profoundly hopeful way of interacting with your readers, right? Because what you're saying is, you know, I see a lot of focus justifiably, understandably on book piracy, on things like that. But what you're doing when you go to Kickstarter is you're saying, these are my mega fans and they're getting something fantastic out of this. And so am I, and we are building this relationship together and everyone is happy with this and we're making the most we can out of it so that it can keep going. Absolutely. And it's, one of those things, you know, what is the Amanda Palmer art of asking? It's one of those yes. like moments where like people ask me about piracy all the time. I'm like, these guys are paying like a premium. Like, I don't think they're, they're going to be pirating the stuff that I do. And like, if they do, then like, okay, I, I don't know what to do about that because like, I, I have this trust and I hope that they have an innate trust with me. And once you do it, you know, I've done, I'm, I'm going into my 18th campaign in September. And then, uh, and then I guess 19th, uh, when we do this Kickstarter novel launch, but you do have, because you know, and you see people who are showing up, it might, it's very much like the people that are still backing the app or like doing a subscription for a long time. But when they keep coming back and they come back in strong, hard numbers, uh, it, it's, it's just so much more gratifying than launching a book and getting whatever, whatever amount of pre-orders, because you're not just pre-ordering, like you are, you're not just seeing the number go up or that graph go up. You're actually seeing Bob and Kat and Sam and Fred and, and, and like they're backing and you're, you're, you're looking at like this person back. And like when you're writing out the, the addresses or you're packing the stuff, like you're seeing them come in over and over and over again. There are some ways, if you want to get into it, about like how to make it less headachey. And that is exactly what Russell tells us how to do. Tune into our next episode of Scribe Count, the podcast, to learn more about kickstarting your book. As always, remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can send feedback or requested topics to philippa.werner at scribecount.com.